0: Kids, You guys are with Susie today, so you can just follow Susie downstairs. Thanks, Susie. How are you guys this morning? It's a little bit quiet, which is expected. Um, Fourth of July weekend, I'm sure a lot of people are out just enjoying nature, which is God's original church, so that is awesome. Um, We also have a few family members, and I'm sure other people in the community that are down with the uh the covid positive stuff so if you guys could just keep steph and seth and joe and river and your guys' prayers those are the ones that we <laughs> i know of right now that are down um not feeling too good so um, anyways good morning i am abby one of the leaders here at creekside And I am excited to share with you guys this morning. Hopefully I'll keep it semi-brief. That's always the goal, but you never know. Um, I'm just happy to always give Gordy a break. And he trusts us enough to leave. Guys, this is good. (laughs) This is good. Gordy needed a break. He held the fort down for, I don't know, a good month, five weeks while we were in Fiji. And so it's just good to see him going and enjoying his family and taking a break from all of his responsibilities here. If You guys will notice the donuts did not make it to the table. We just really wanted you guys to have a good reason to miss Gordy. So you can let Gordy know that he was greatly missed and so were the donuts. <laughs> Sorry about that, you guys. But anyways, um, yeah, I just want... Um, Yeah, I'm just moving on through the book of James. I started in James when Gordy first asked me to preach. And I just keep going to the next part. Um, Wasn't necessarily my plan, but I am really loving it. And it's funny, the further in I get, the more James is getting a little harsh. And so I'll read it and be like, oh, what am I supposed to do with that? but it's crazy because every time I dive into the section that's next, the Holy Spirit shows me exactly what to do with it. And so I'm excited to share with you guys. Um, so just a little recap, James isn't here to tell us anything new, rather he wants, he just wants to get in our business and challenge how we live. And kind of his goal, like the reason he wrote this book was he, kind it's kind of like a collection of um, his advice on true wisdom by living according to what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. This new law is James' foundation on, (laughs) I was kind of realizing, I'm like, this is kind of the New Testament book of wisdom because you kind of have Proverbs and that's like known as the book of wisdom for the Old Testament. And I think James, his influence from Jesus And his influence, because he studied the book of Proverbs, I think that he's heavily influenced by these two, um, you know, this life of wisdom and this book of wisdom. So this is kind of like the new book of wisdom. And the more I study this book and the further I get into it, I realize the command or what James calls um, the new law of freedom is James's compass for dealing with the things in the church that are kind of missing the point. Because at the time, he was kind of like the leader of the first Christians in Jerusalem. And so I see him in every passage pulling from this this guide of, is what you're doing showing love to God, love to your neighbor, and love to yourself? It's kind of like the basis for everything he's talking about. Um, I picked up this book that so Jackson and I were like cleaning out our bookshelf and I was I found this book and I was like wow this is really cool title it's like the rebirthing of god and um, I was reading through it and he tells this story where they're climbing this treacherous mountain and while they're up there the mountain gets sucked in so they can't see like Hardly at all in front of them. It's just, like, covered in mist. And, I mean, people die on this, doing this mountain hike, like, every year. And so it was very uh, treacherous. And so the only thing that they had to guide them was a map and a compass. And thankfully, they had, like, mapped out their course and were very prepared. So when the mist came, they trusted it. But it was super challenging because every time they'd come to a situation where they're, like, this looks safer, this way looks easier, but the map is telling us to go that way, and that looks a lot more treacherous, but they trusted it, and they made it down the mountain, and he tells this story to compare, um, or to just show this example, it's kind of like a metaphor, but he explains how the original type of compass is used to determine the relationship between two points, like you would have used in math class. Not the compass that points north, but like how you judge the distance between two points. And the related word, compassion, is about honoring the relationship between two people or two groups or two sides, whatever it may be. And compassion is about making the connection between the heart of my being and the heart of yours. And following that connection just as they followed the compass to listen, like to get down the mountain. And I was thinking about this, and I'm like, compassion, that's, that's the root. That is the root of what Jesus is talking about when someone asked him, okay, there's all these commands, all these do's and don'ts, there's all these books with all these rituals and do this and then that, and if you did this, then you need to do this and sacrifice it like that and... Of all these, and you know, we have Moses' ten commands. Of all these commands, Jesus, which one of these is the most important? And Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Compassion is the root of that message. And I think he's saying if we choose compassion first, if compassion is our guide, Wisdom for everything else in life will follow. If that's our guide, then we're going to know the next step. And everything else will fall in place. And that's actually, so that's my title for today. Jack, you can throw it up. Compassion is our compass. (laughs) Which is so funny. So I did all the study for this. And I'm thinking about what this actually means. And I'm like, huh is just another way to say, trust me and let love happen, which has been Gordy's last two sermons. So whether Gordy like infused that in me and it came out or we're just, the Holy Spirit's tracking us on the same thing, I have no idea, but it was kind of fun. So anyways, let's go ahead and dive in. Um, I love, the last two times I preached on James, I, I love the situation it's put me in. <laughs> Last time I had to preach on a verse that was used to prove me wrong when I was younger and challenged my own belief systems, and I got to come up and teach on that. Well, this time, he opens with a great line. You want to throw it up there, babe? Uh, yeah, there we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So this is my resignation speech. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I was like, okay, so I have to start by teaching with this. I shouldn't be up here. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm like, okay, um, let's keep going and see what comes up. Verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So James is using a lot of different analogies and examples, basically just to say the tongue is powerful, And it can be extremely dangerous. Jackson and I were actually um, just finished a show that kind of like shows you this extreme version of religion. And the main characters in it are these very religious men who use God's name and all this fluffed up spiritual talk, the Lord told me this, the Holy Spirit impressed upon me that blank. And the whole series is how they justify the most unimaginable things by just using God's name and saying things that they think sound good. And there's nothing else basing it off of. And... It takes their family that was really close together, and I mean, by the end of this show, oh my gosh, it was just like a disaster. Like, everyone is just a mess. And it all started with them just, you know, preaching their truth and, you know, telling people what, you know, they're just using their tongue to just say all these things. So I thought James was being really extreme, and then we watched that show and I was like, you know, I just kind of witnessed that. And this is all based on true story, too. So, anyways, we'll go on to verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So I was thinking about these verses, and... Um, I was like, what, what am I, like, what is a good example of the tongue? And I was thinking about, so I, we built a garden um, this spring, and I always have Kaya come out and help me water the, the, like, plants, and she loves it. And we, our garden is pretty far away from the house, so we have to have a pretty long hose connect it to the house, and we'll just leave it on, and we have a nozzle um, at the end of it, so that I can like control the water flow and you know if I have like deep roots, I can turn the jet up and get the the jet stream down to the roots, or if it's like delicate plants, I can like soften it, so it's really nice and One time, I took Kaya out, and all of a sudden, I don't even remember how it started, but we started playing this game, she'd come up to me, and I'd have the hose, and I'd like. She'd start laughing, so I'd like show the hose at her, and she'd start running, and I would just chase. Like as she ran, there's like a shadow of water following her, and then she would turn, get out of reach, and turn around, run back to me, and we'd do it all over again. And I was at first, you know, I was having like fun and stuff, but I was like, maybe she actually wants to get wet because she keeps coming so close, and I may have gotten a little carried away a little into the game, and I'm like, like, you can ask Jackson, I, when it comes to games, I do not go easy. Doesn't matter who I'm playing, I'm trying to win. So anyways, I like, turn up the nozzle a little bit, and I just, oh, I nailed her. (laughs) And immediately, I mean, the game was over. She was going from laughing to crying, and I was like, dang. This nozzle is kind of similar, like, it can, it's a tool, and it's a powerful tool, but it can get us into a lot of trouble, and it can take a lot of people down with us, too. Because I went from just having this game to all of a sudden, you know, making her cry. And so I was, I just thought of that story. Um, And so without a guide, without an inner compass, for this tool that we all have, it can be really harmful. Um, Go ahead to go to verse nine. This, This verse, I believe, is like the heart. This is the heart of just this section. With the tongue, we praise our Lord Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. So if we say we love God, disregard his creation and his image bearers, which, by the way, all of us, all humans are image bearers, Um, all humans, (laughs) Um, we're disregarding God. So what, what good is it to say, I love Jesus, and yet treat our enemy with hate and contempt? This is where I see James being oriented by what he calls the law of freedom. Uh, verse ten: Out of the same mouth and per, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. This is wrong. It's unnatural. It can't. That doesn't work. Eleven: Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Verse twelve: My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear frigs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So basically, whatever is inside will flow out. The fruit of our lives will reveal the state of our heart. But the tongue is this device that tries to manipulate and control the outcome. Like the nozzle at my end of my hose. So we can hide our true state for a really long time. We can hide our pain, we can hide our struggles, our suffering, our truth, and we can make it look like, you know, a a jet, a powerful jet, or a nice stream, or a pretty shower. You know, we can use our tongue to affect how we look, but we're hiding, we're, we're masking what's really going on. And controlling that inner flow. Um, it's funny, because we actually got our water tested, um, and I, I was already very suspicious of what the result would be. Not suspicious, I was pretty certain, because when I look at the state of our tea kettle, our head, our toilets, our clean dishes, all the signs point to extremely hard water. And so when it came to get tested, because we're like, we we really think we need water softener to our landlord or landlady. And so she had a guy come out, and I was there, and I was, like, watching him, and he was explaining the process to me. He's like, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of water. I'm going to add this pink chemical to it. And then I have this other chemical. And however many drops of water, or how many ever drops of this liquid it takes to turn this water blue, that's how hard your water is. So, like, one was soft. Seven. If it took up to seven. It's hard, and then anything after ten was like extremely hard. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching him. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. It took eleven drops. I was like, I knew it. I mean, the calcium in my seat, in my tea kettle. I just, I gave up. I'm like. There's gonna be floaties at the bottom no matter what I do. I tried the vinegar, everything. So, even though my hose could control the look of it, that water is hard. It is extremely hard. And I was kind of thinking about this like, maybe this is why James's warning to teachers is the strongest. So, I was thinking about as a teacher, I have to come up here and the tool using is my tongue is my mouth my words my ideas and we can use our words and emotions to communicate convince prove and explain what we believe to a lot of people and that can be a really slippery slope for a lot of reasons um because you know I can make God's truth look really pretty I can doctor things up to come out in a certain way, but I, but if the, the deep down, if deep down my motive is self-serving and I'm trying to get my agenda across or I'm trying to change you to come over to my side or just change you, whatever that means, or, you know, change you to God's side, whatever it is. I have an agenda that does not have your best interest in mind. And um, usually that comes from my own pain. If I'm up here with my own motives, I'm probably blinded by my own pain, my own inner state. And I think a lot of pastors struggle and burn out and fall out because we're up here telling y'all what to do, how to look, what not to do, like, that's kind of the classic, here's how to live life, and there's nowhere safe or nowhere for them to admit that they're struggling because they're supposed to be the picture of what you should do. and. After that happens for so long, it can just things start to break down. Like I said, you can only hide that your water is hard for so long. And we can say a lot of great things that you probably will even agree with. But if the if if the spirit in which they are delivered is harmful, and the hose adjustment is just right to get to the roots. And the water is contaminated because the spirit is just harmful. Then you guys think you're getting watered, but really I'm slowly po- like it's, you're getting slowly poisoned. And I'm like, this is really heavy. It's really heavy, and like. I have to guard my heart from that, you know? Like, when I come up here, and there's so, I mean, Gordy will tell you, Seth will tell you how many of our first drafts we'll write out, and we'll go, oh, that was just for me, and I was just supposed to process that. I'm not supposed to say that, you know? It's like, we go on these little written rants, and it's so healthy for us to write it, and to process it, and to push it aside. Um, And it takes a lot of, I don't know, guidance to know what to say and what not to say. But again, I just come back to like, is whats is what I'm saying going to create connection or division? And that has kind of been my compass. I was thinking too, um, I think we've all witnessed before where someone, a teacher, a pastor, a politician, or maybe just someone who's like really influential, um, are using their voice to portray this one side really well. They're using their platform or their voice to just really push this issue. And they do it so well. (laughs) Like they're really convincing. at least if you already agree with them. Uh, And their goal is to change minds, right? To win people over for them or for God. Um, But have you noticed, if you weren't, like, carried away by what they were saying, what they're saying only reinforces what both sides already believe. So if someone is really strongly convicted, um, What I've noticed is, I either already agree, and so now I strongly agree. I'm like, yes, oh yeah, they're saying it. Or, I disagree, and I'm like, oh my gosh. They just make me more sick now. Like, you don't, no one has changed. Everyone's beliefs are just reinforced. And so what's like, the right? answer you know like aren't we supposed to use our voice to share our beliefs you know is not something we're supposed to do but it's like if we only have one side in mind if we only have ourselves in mind or this political party or this religion religious you know sect or whatever it may be if we only have that side in mind and we're really convincing of it leaving out the other half. And we're only gonna create more division. And more division. The more we convince, the more we persuade, the more we can just say it well, the more we separate ourselves from the other half of the world. The other half who've had a different experience who don't agree and we're creating this divide. Um, Dallas Willard talks about these verses on the Sermon on the Mount. That James is actually kind of. He's using this similar imagery. And similar like. I can tell he's using Jesus's. Um, teaching. From this part of the Sermon on the Mount. About oaths. To do this section. And Dallas Willard has some commentary on it. In Divine Conspiracy. I have the, yeah there we go. But Jesus goes. Right to the heart. Of why people swear oaths basically why people use convincing language. He knew they did it to impress others with their sincerity and reliability, and thus gain acceptance of what they are saying and what they want. It is a method for getting their way. They are declaring some promise or purpose or some point of information or knowledge dear to them. They want their hearers to accept what they say and do what they want. Next part, so they say, by God, or God knows, to lend weight to their words and presence. It is simply a device of manipulation designed to override judgment and will of the ones they are focusing upon, to push them aside rather than and leaving their decision and action strictly to them. I was really hesitant to bring this up. I still am. So I want to do it wisely. But I just I saw this as the perfect example of what Dallas is talking about. And it's the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade. All the air gets sucked out of the room. I was really hesitant to bring this up. Um, And I just want to acknowledge first. That everyone has their strong opinion and that it is emotionally charged, especially right now. And I'm not here to tell you that what you believe is wrong. That is not my goal. I'm not here to tell you what I believe. Um, I I just want to point out something about this. Now, as a mother and a woman, this deeply affects me whether I want it to or not. I am not one to normally get into the political scene, because honestly, it rarely affects me so personally. But this topic takes two parts of me, two parts that heavily define who I am, and say one is more valuable than the other. And you need to pick a side, because there's a right side and a wrong side, and you need to pick a side. Your freedom as a woman to choose what's best for your life and your child, which, by the way, is a choice a mother never wants to make, or your child's freedom to live and freely as a human being. So your life on the line in some form, or your child's life on the line. And I was like, so when this verdict came out, I, I, I would read something, And I would be brought to tears. I was like, man, yeah, that's convincing, that's persuading. And then I'd read the other side. Same thing would happen. The exact same thing would happen. So no matter what story I read, from whichever side, I was moved. And I was brought to tears. And I was infuriated. And I was happy. And I was sad. And I was joyful. And I was hopeful. And I was like, this is every emotion on the planet. (laughs) What do I do with this? And so I just like I started writing about it. And it's funny, I wrote like so many paragraphs trying to process like my thoughts. And I started to realize we can talk about all the reasons to be pro-choice or pro-life. And yet we're completely missing the point. By reinforcing a side We are only driving a wedge between each other and between the core of who we are. This debate is driving a wedge between who I am as a woman and who I am as a mother. And even, like no matter your gender, male, female, whatever, as a human, it's driving a wedge between our two core beliefs, the right to live, and the right for that life to be free to live. Freedom and life, like, isn't that what this holiday, this weekend is all about? And I keep thinking, if anyone if anyone is pro-choice, they're pro-choice because they deeply value life. If you're pro-life, you deeply value the freedom to choose for that life to live. Like, For that life to have freedom. And so we've separated these two things that can't be separated. And we've made it black and white. And so what do we do? That's what I've been asking myself for the last two weeks. What do I do with this? What do I do with this thing that is saying that I need to separate who I am? These core things of who I am are supposed to be against each other? So I was like, okay, when the the climb gets foggy, what do I do? we got to trust our compass. We ask ourselves, is this comment motivated by compassion? Is this comment going to bring us closer? Is this comment going to show this person that I value them and their opinion and the life they lived and their story? Or is this comment pushing my belief, my agenda on them because I believe what's best for them and what's the right thing to do? And so I want to help them by reinforcing what I believe is right. We do this with the best intentions, the best intentions. I am very guilty of this. But if we're pushing our own agenda and beliefs over the well-being and free will of the other, we're doing exactly what Dallas described. You wanna throw that little, I'll read that section again. So they say, by God or God knows, to lend weight to their words and presence. It is simply a device of manipulation designed to override judgment and will of the ones they are focusing upon, to push them aside, rather than leaving their decision and action strictly to them. Every circumstance is going to have a different right answer. And you won't know the answer till you're face to face with it. With that particular situation, listening to that person's story, connecting with the heart of that person. You won't know the answer until you've aligned your heart with theirs. And you're listening. And you want what's best for them. Choose compassion and wisdom will follow. When I was playing that game with Kaya with the hose, I started out with only the desire to make her laugh. That was the game. I'd chase her, she'd laugh and giggle. But the second that game about came about just playing it correctly and doing it to win, I ruined it. Kaya didn't care about the game. She didn't care about getting wet. She wanted to have a connection with her mom. I ruined that by getting carried away by Getting carried into the game or the topic or the debate, I got carried away, and I hurt our connection. Of course, I ran up to her, hugged her, and you know, it's not like there's a rift between us now. But um, uh, Richard Rohr has a quote that I feel like just—I just—if you guys forget everything, just I would just hope you would walk away with this: it's not about being correct. It's about being connected. Life is not about being correct. It's not about convincing or winning everyone over to your truth or God's truth. It's about your relationships, as Jackson was saying earlier. It's about the state of your being. I love what Jesus said was the greatest commandment because I see it as a map. And I would almost flip it around to say, Love yourself, not in an egotistical way. Love yourself, see yourself as God sees you. See yourself as someone worthy of dignity, of love, of compassion, and show yourself that compassion and let God show it to you. Because when you do that, you will have the capacity to see that in others. And when you see that in others and you show others in every single human made in God's image that compassion, you are loving God. Loving God is just the byproduct of loving your neighbor, your enemy, your brother, whoever it is, whatever they believe, that's at the heart of it. And so I would just encourage you guys Instead of winning that debate, just be vulnerable be honest say I'm struggling say I don't agree, but I want to hear your side and say I value our relationship over where I stand that's what matters. you guys are close your heads in prayer and Jack's gonna come do the last song father I Thank you so much for just guiding me through this tough passage, for helping me to align my hearts more and more with those around me. God, I'm not perfect. I fail at this every day. but I want to be better. I want to challenge myself. I don't want my beliefs, my convictions, my perspective to get in the way with connecting with others. Because I found that it's in those connections that I find you. That I connect with you. And that's the greatest command. So God, I pray that we see each other as ways of connecting to something bigger and greater that when we create the connection instead of break it, that we are bringing heaven to earth, that we are bringing your spirit into our lives. And God, I just, I thank you so much for giving us this message that we can live by, that we don't have to have all the answers. We can rest in the mystery of who you are and your love. Amen. can uh, stay seated for this last song it's a it's an it's a hymn that my dad